Know this, that if this is your first fall, uh, don't get fooled because summer's not officially over. We'll still have 99 degrees here in probably three weeks. Uh, and, but it is, fall is on its way. I think it starts uh, the end of this week and we are excited. I love the changes in the leaves. I love the, the fall pumpkins, the, the mums, the, all the, the flowers and the gourds and all. The, I just love everything about fall. I love the, the, the crisp air in the morning times. I love uh, sitting around the fire pit at nighttime. I, I love all of the, the football season that's upon us and everything is, is changing. I love all of those, those times of year. And it reminds me that uh, the days are getting shorter it means that Christmas is coming uh, right around the corner. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Clark Griswold. I like to decorate the house for Christmas. We have three attic areas in our house that are overflowing with Christmas decorations. So uh, I don't wait till after Thanksgiving, so you can hate me now. But uh, I usually get started in early November because it takes so long to put all that stuff up. You want to enjoy it. And uh, so anyway, enough about me. I hope you've been enjoying the 14 days of prayer that we've been in in the last two weeks. Today's the last Sunday of that series. And I've enjoyed hearing so many testimonies from around our church body and just what God is teaching us, what he's doing in our hearts and lives. And the beautiful thing is, even though we're wrapping it up, doesn't mean that it ends. It really just is a, uh, it's opening the doors for God to commune with us in a greater way and to experience his presence, and uh, just because the series is ending, God desires to continue working in our lives and in the life of his church in this matter of prayer. And we're praying that it revolutionizes not only our own personal lives, but corporately as a body of believers, it revolutionizes our prayer. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Sometimes people say, I don't know if, if, this, if this is something I should even pray about. Absolutely it is, because as we come to the Lord in prayer, he aligns our thoughts and our ways with his ways. As we dig into the word, we begin to see clearly God's plan, his purposes, what he's wanting to accomplish. And he begins to readjust our hearts to follow what's important to God, what matters to God, what's most important and valued in, in, in the heart of God. And so today we're focusing specifically on the prayer of supplication. We've been using the Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer kind of as our springboard. And the word supplication this mean, means the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. How many of you have kids in your house right now? You still have kids at home? All right, hands all across the building. So you know what supplication looks like, right? I mean, your kids are begging, all right? Uh, maybe it's a particular uh, clothing item. Anybody have girls in, in, the, in the house? All right, uh, if you have a girl, especially a, a preteen or a teenage girl, you've heard of the store, and it, it has a funky name. It's called Lulu. All right, I'm not advertising for them, but they're not paying me. I'm not getting, giving them an endorsement. But uh, if you have a young girl, it's like a cult. I mean, uh, they, they all have the bag. And you might buy a literally a, a paper clip, but you want the bag. And uh, I was at my, my daughter's school the other day, and I was in the, the building because uh, there was, she's on the cross-country team. And all the girls and all the players on all the different teams, the volleyball team, the, the, the cross country, all these different teams, all these people were in the building. And I look at all of these backpacks all over the stairs 
they have, and they're, and they're, and they're all just lying on the, the grand stairwell of their school, and Lululemon, Lululemon, Lulu, I mean, every single one of them had a, a bag that said Lululemon, and, and when we go to those places that sell that stuff, I mean, it's like, Dad, Dad, can we go to the store? And I'm like, it's $100. I heard a, a, a reel this week, $100 for a pair of yoga pants, all right? Well, we can all pay $20 at Walmart and have a pair that looks exactly the same, but it doesn't hurt as much to, to buy it. But you, know, but you know what I'm getting at is you know what that, the, you know, it's the, the earnestly begging, Dad, please, can I have this thing? And Dad, please, and I'll, I'll use my own money. And uh, when it's a boy, it's a, maybe it's a gaming computer or it's, it's a certain pair of shoes. That, so you know what the begging is like. And, and, and it only gets more expensive the older they get. They get smaller, but uh, they get much more expensive. And, but that action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. When we go to the Lord in prayer, knowing that he hears us and desires to hear our prayers is comforting. God wants to hear from you. He wants to talk to you. The creator of the universe cares about you. He cares about your needs so when you come before him earnestly and humbly and you beg and you call upon the God of heaven, the God of all creation, he desires to hear and answer the prayers of his children. Let's dive into our main text. Matthew chapter 6 says, After in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? God, as we wrap up this series today, God, would you speak to our hearts? God, would we desire to be in close relationship? close fellowship with you. God, will we set aside distractions of our day? Maybe our, our, our favorite team won or maybe they lost. Maybe they're getting ready to play. God, I pray that we would set all of that aside. The, 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 the schedule this week that some people are already trying to figure out how am I going to fit all of the things in and getting every kid where they're supposed to be or getting this project done at work, or I've got deadlines that are due on Friday. God, would we set aside that and for the next few minutes, minutes focus on you and what you want to say to us. God, if there's someone that does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, would they call upon the God of heaven for salvation? Would this morning be that moment where they say, I don't have that peace I've never experienced that joy. I don't know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. God, would they get the matter of their salvation settled once and for all? God, would you speak to hearts? Would you transform lives? We give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. All of God's people said. This morning we're looking primarily at verses 11 and 13 as Jesus is teaching us
about the prayer of supplication. Last week we looked at confession. The week before we looked at the prayer of praise. But Jesus was teaching his disciples. He says, when we pray, we go from these great spiritual concerns of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're, we're, we're rejoicing, we're worshiping, we're praising God. We confess our sins, but he also says there's a prayer for every day, physical and spiritual needs. So he's given them a model to, to, to model in prayer and these spiritual concerns. He says there's an ongoing need for God's goodness, for his forgiveness, for his protection from evil. And we looked at the forgiveness portion last week. So this morning we say, he says there's a prayer for provision. God, would you provide? How often do we pause and thank the Lord for his daily provision in our lives? How often do we just, thank you, God, for a beautiful home, a roof over my head, a car in the driveway that actually starts most of the time, the food that obviously we've had enough. Look around the room. I mean, none of us are skin and bones. None of us are struggling. God, thank you so much for all that you do. Prayers for provision. And I love hearing a child pray and thank God for the food. It's, it's so sweet. It's so sincere. It's so honest. It's so real. This morning as our volunteers were praying before most of you got here, we were getting ready to pray, and little Reuben was sitting right here on the front row, five years old, in kindergarten. And Matt said, Reuben, would you like to pray for us? And he said, yes. He started praying, and folks, talk about the power. This kid... I have it on my phone because about halfway through, about 20 seconds in, I was like, we got to record this. This is awesome. And I was recording from sitting right back where Mark is. As he prayed and thanked God for his blessings on us and asked for him to bless the service. And I'm telling you, I looked at his dad and I said, I don't know what you're doing at home, but you need to keep that up. I mean, it is awesome. And folks, the reality is, is hearing a kid pray, it's, it, there's a complete trust in God. God, thank you. God, please provide. It's a but somehow when we get to be an adult, we lose that childlike faith of just expecting God to do what we're asking. And, and as we're calling upon the God of heaven, He's the ultimate one who provides our daily bread, our daily food. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Some ancient scholars liken this bread to communion, which we just took. And they over-spiritualize it. And, and they're trying to say, God, thank you for this, this wafer, this, this bread, that we're physical bread we're eating during communion. But Jesus is, in this passage, is referring to our daily food, our daily provision. And think about the times of the New Testament. Many people worried about where they would get their meal. In fact, 
so many Jews came to Jerusalem and they got saved and and then all of a sudden they were cast out from their family and so they had no livelihood, no way to provide for themselves. And so as they're praying and thanking God for daily bread, many people in the early New Testament church could understand and say, I'm thanking God for this very meal because I don't know where the next one's going to come from. I'm thanking God for this food and his provision because I'm not exactly sure where the next meal is going to, how it's going to be provided. And, and so you think about those times, sometimes people today might think, why should we thank God for something we have in abundance? Any of your kids ever say this? I know they probably don't, but Dad, there's nothing to eat in this house. Anybody else say that? Your kids say that? I, 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 Dad, there's nothing. Mom, what are we going to eat? There's no food in this house. And you walk in the pantry and you can't even get in the door. I mean, there's so much food. We have a, uh, the back section of our island in the kitchen. You open it up and it's nothing but baskets filled from Costco or, or Sam's of every kind of snack and fruit cup and, and you name it, it's probably in there. Uh, trail mix, I mean, it's all the little extras if you're going to a ball game or putting some extra snacks in your lunchbox. And I mean, there's just so much food. And our kids will look at us and say, there's nothing to eat in this house. Nothing to eat. Even Christ was talking to his disciples. He's talking to them, and it, folks, it's just as true in 2023. We're to praise God and pray for provision. God, would you provide for our food? Solomon, Solomon said in Proverbs 30, verse 8, he says, feed me with the food that is needful for me. He said, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. In other words, if we don't give thanks, we lose sight of the fact that God is the provider of every good thing. He's the one who makes, uh, that sustains us in this life. And when we take time to realize God is the giver of all good things, we acknowledge our need of God and how we must fully rely completely on him. There's something about seeing someone pray before a meal. And folks, it does something for you. It's sad to say in our current culture, you don't see it a whole lot unless you're at Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's God's chicken, so I think people feel guilty if they don't pray at Chick-fil-A. But, I mean, you go to Chick-fil-A, you're probably going to see some people praying around you. And I love seeing that. But the reality is, is we'll go and sit down in a restaurant, and I'm just as guilty. Boy, they bring out those rolls. I mean, I don't, it's got to be like manna from heaven. I mean, but those yeast rolls at a Texas Roadhouse or, or Logan's, I mean... They have to stop at some point because I can't control myself. I mean, especially that butter. I mean, do you know they sell that stuff at, at Sam's Club and you can it, it put it on and it's like, I mean, it's like just goodness in a roll, you know, and, and you're eating all that stuff, but pausing to say, God, thank you. Thank you for providing. We ought to pause and give thanks to God for the fact he's provided for our physical nourishment. Bread here not only represents food, but it's symbolic of all of the needs of our life. John Stott said this, he says, everything necessary for the preservation of this life is bread, including food, a healthy body, good weather, house, 
spouse, children, good government, and peace. In other words, as we're praying for God to provide, God, we're praying that you would meet our needs. God, would you watch over us? Imagine this morning the God of the universe who created all time and space, who's infinitely holy and completely self-sufficient, cares about your daily needs. He cares about Gary's eyesight. And a week and a half ago when you called me, that was an urgent prayer. God, would you touch my eyes and heal me? And he answered. As I got the call, Miss Jerry was in the hospital this week with congestive heart failure. And as I went to visit her, just an incredible warmth, feeling of, of knowing and experiencing the presence of God. And Miss Sandra was there, Christy was there, and we prayed together. We read scripture together. And she said, Pastor David, I knew it wasn't the time. Because she said, I didn't see that light. She said, it was actually kind of dark. She said, everything went dark. And, well, our, our life group's been studying in 1 John. And so I said, Miss Jerry, I said, there's a verse for that. And it's found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. In him is light, and there is no darkness at all. And she started dying laughing. And I, she said, I was like, it can't be the end because I'm not seeing a light. All I see is darkness. But, and, but she, we, were, we were cracking up, and she said, but she knew the Lord. And she said, I can't wait to meet the Savior. She, she has such a relationship. And folks, that's the thing about praying for daily needs. When you know God, you know the healer, the great physician. We're not calling on some of the abstract who doesn't care or didn't have the power. Say, God, I believe that you can. And I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. God, would you hear my prayer? Would you do the supernatural in my life? He cares enough not just for our food to eat. Folks, he fed the 5,000. That was just men plus all the women and children. He provided the extra oil and meal for the widow when Elijah asked her, would you make me a, a small cake that I can eat? And she says, all I have is enough oil and, and meal to make a small cake for me and my son and that we're going to lay down and we're going to die. And Elijah says, before you do that, would you make me a small cake? That I might have some food to nourish my body. And here's a widow woman, a single mother who has nothing else. And she makes that small cake and she gives it to Elijah. When she reaches back to get the rest of the meal and the oil to make something for her son and herself, she realized it was enough. The next day when she went to that same vessel to get the meal and the oil, there was enough. And God provided for her every need. That's how God works. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow 
due to change. In other words, God is doing such an amazing work. And as we call out to him in prayer for provision, he provides for our every need. And it's in his timing. It's the affirmation that every good thing we have comes from God. So when all of our needs are met, everything is going well. When there's plenty of food on the table, a, a nice roof over our head, there's money in the bank, we have good health, healthy relationships. Somehow we tend to forget that God is the one who's provided all of those things. You say, well, Pastor David, I was valedictorian. Uh, I, w- I always rise to the top. I mean, I'm the cream on every uh, on the, the top, and I'm just I, I'm I'm doing so good. I, I'm making so much more money than my parents ever made. And and Pastor, if you only knew how smart I am. No, you're not. The reality is. of America lives paycheck to paycheck, and you could lose that job tomorrow. I talked to someone who works at a a food pantry, and they said the number of people during the pandemic that drove up in high-end cars to get free food because they weren't exactly sure how they were going to pay for it. You've got the big house. Folks, if it weren't for God, we would have absolutely nothing. He's saying, thank God for daily provision. He's the source of all things good. God provided for man even though before he created man. Man was the crown jewel of God's creation. And he makes him, he blesses Adam and Eve in the garden. And in Genesis 1.29, he says, behold, I've given you Every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for what, church? Food. God provided. He had a plan for all mankind. The children of Israel, as they were wandering in the wilderness, were not wandering all alone. He provided manna every single day and, and it would provide quail. And folks, the reality is, is God always meets our needs. Every physical thing that we have comes from God's provision through the earth. When we fail to give thanks and recognize that God is the one who graciously provides all things, we're guilty of the sin of ingratitude. And folks, so often, church, we, we will see our kids and they're sitting down there eating and, and you're like, this is dad for you. Have, have we prayed yet? Oh, dad, we're going to. We were just waiting until you sat down. Well, you're half done. I mean, do we not do the same thing? We get in our car and we drive off and we never pause to give thanks to God for what he's done. The psalmist David said in Psalm 37, verse 25, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. In other words, he says, when we live right, when we're honoring God with our life, when we're praising God, he always takes care of his own. We must ask him for daily provision and thank him when he provides. But church, without a proper view of God, we cannot have a proper view of man. Those who have a right relationship uh, with him through Jesus Christ are promised the provision 
of their heavenly father. That's why Jesus says later on in this very passage, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, as we go through life worrying, we're not worshiping, we're not praising, we're not giving thanks when we're worried about where God's gonna, how he's gonna provide. He provides supernaturally, day in and day out. We must praise him. We must pray for his provision. God, would you watch over? Would you meet our needs? When we need to worship God, who is more than able to provide, and he does, he says, give him thanks. But then he goes on, he says, there's a prayer for protection. Verse 13, we ask God to give us our daily bread. But here's the second prayer of supplication. He says, Lord, do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a prayer for protection. God, would you watch over? God, would you provide? But God, would you protect God, would you do something supernatural? We all need forgiveness from, from our past sins. We talked about that last Sunday. Forgive us our, our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. But keeping a short sin account before God is, is vital. But he goes on, he says, do not lead us into temptation. The idea is not, Lord, please don't bring us to the place of temptation. Or don't allow us to be tempted. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, if you go back to Matthew chapter 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God allowed that. We're, we're told about that in the life of Christ, that he was tempted, or the devil tried to tempt him, and the Lord allowed that. So he's not saying, don't lead us into temptation. In other words, don't allow us to ever be tempted What's Jesus instructing his disciples? Lord, don't let us succumb to temptation. Don't let us give in to temptation. Don't abandon us in our hour of temptation. What is Jesus instructing his disciples to do? He's petitioning the God of heaven, saying we're utterly dependent upon your provision, but also your protection and your power. He says it's recognizing our weakness. God, I'm powerless against the enemy apart from your great power. God, I cannot do this apart from your protection. Paul reminds us in, of the role of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men. God is what, church? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he also will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He's not going to keep us from all temptation. 
We live in a sin-cursed world. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's deceitful. He's a trickster. He's a deceiver. He does all those things to try to destroy us and discourage us and, and, and take advantage of us. But folks, the reality is, he says he provides a way of escape. In Fox's Book of Martyrs, I have this in my, my library, my office. It recounts the stories of saints of old who have lived and died for their faith. And I'll tell you, this is not a, uh, you know, Saturday morning, uh, curl up in a, in a blanket and read with your favorite cup of coffee. I mean, it's just not that kind of a reading. But the reality is, is the story is told of the fate of two men under the reign of Bloody Mary. Both of these men were condemned to burn at the stake for their religious convictions. One of them boasted loudly to the other prisoners that he would be a man when he approached his doom. He was so grounded in the gospel that he could not imagine denying Christ if and when he was given the opportunity. Even on the day of execution, he spoke of his imminent death in the most pious terms, saying that he was like a bride made ready for the wedding day. Next to this man was a man of another disposition. Although he too was determined not to deny Christ, he admitted he was terribly fearful of fire. He shared he had always been very sensitive to suffering and he was in great dread that when, he, when that first flame came near his body that he would cry out and recant, thus denying the Lord. So he urged the other man, would you please pray for me? And he spent time weeping over his weakness and crying out to God for strength. Befuddled by his blubbering, the other man rebuked and chided him for being so cowardly. But when the time came to go to the stake, he who had been so bold recanted at first sight of the fire and thus was released, never to return to Christ. The other man, the trembling one whose prayer at that moment had been, Father, lead me not into temptation, stood firm as a rock, praising and magnifying God as he died a cruel but courageous death. You know, all of us must undergo various trials and temptations in order that God might test the authenticity of our faith. He allows us to be tried by fire. and So our prayer shouldn't be that though tested, God, that we not be consumed. Folks, as we go through the fiery furnaces of this life, God, don't let me be consumed. Don't let me lose faith. Don't let me lose hope that God is in control, that he is more than able. He is able to sustain us. And folks, let us not be consumed. Temptation is one thing, but evil is quite another. So not only should we pray for God not to lead us into temptation, but that the Lord might deliver us from evil. Ever heard that someone sing the Lord's Prayer, the song at a wedding? For whatever reason, when they get to that word, they, they don't pronounce it like evil, but they say evil. And they have that weird sound to their voice, the big vibrato, and, and they sing that word like evil. I mean, it just sounds like awful and, and painful. But the reality is, is the word here to deliver means to snatch. It's an aggressive word. We're asking God 
with his divine hand to snatch us from the evil one. God, would you rescue us? Would you keep us from the grips of the evil one? And and that part ends abruptly because that's the ending of the prayer. Likely over time, the doxology was added to the end of verse 13, which is yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The, those similar words are found in First Chronicles chapter 29, 11, but they're not found in the earliest uh, Greek manuscripts of Scripture, but it, it completes the thought. God, would you keep us? For yours is ultimately the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Say, Pastor, what's the application? The contrast here in the Lord's Prayer is it begins with Father, but it ends with the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. As God's children, we are not some kind of superheroes. We must realize we are completely dependent on the Lord for daily provision and protection. God, would you provide for our needs? God, would you meet the needs of my heart, of my soul? But God, would you protect me from the evil one? Having done all to stand. That's why we must have the, the sword of the spirit. That's why we must have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We must put on the, the armor of God because the devil is seeking to destroy us. You can't don't go into battle and leave all of your gear behind. My son wrestles and there's this headgear they put on that protects their ears ultimately from getting ripped off their head. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. There's, there's the different pads and stuff. Uh, if you play football, there's shoulder pads. There's, there's all of the, the gear. You, any sports you play, you're going to have, if you're a swimmer, you're going to have goggles and that, that little hat and it, it protects you. It keeps everything where it's supposed to be. But folks, as we go into battle, we must guard our hearts because the evil one is seeking to destroy us. He's doing everything in his power. The Lord's Prayer is a guide for his children. It's a masterpiece and it, it teaches us the prayer of praise, the prayer of confession, the prayer of supplication. Each one of us stand in the need of prayer. May we continue to call upon the Lord in worship and confession in provision and protection from the evil one. And I love what Isaiah 56, 7 says, These I will bring to my holy mountain. Make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a what church? A house of prayer for all people. May this church, may the church of Jesus Christ not be known for our big buildings, our clever catchy phrases and sermon series. May we be known as a house of prayer for all people. This is a place where God is at work. This is a place where God is radically transforming lives. 
That you, it's okay to come and not be okay. It's just not all right to stay that way. 